welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday. It is October 15th, and you are listening to a very special The Ralph Report because it is live from a secret location in St. Louis, Missouri, the wee hours of the morning. I am bringing you The Ralph Report from the road, because last night I performed Hollywood Babylon here in uh, St. Louis. And you know, I hate to leave you hanging, so when I'm on the road, I try to record at least a little Ralph Report to give you something to listen to on your way to school or work. And I'm very lucky, because I have a special guest with me this morning. We're in the wee hours of Monday, but I ran across this dude who was in the back alley (laughs) blowing guys for beer money. It's Pete Davidson, everybody. (laughs) It's none other than Kevin Smith, my co-host from Hollywood Babylon. He has agreed to sit in and be my special co-host today for the it's Ralph like Babel Report. just didn't end tonight. It is. We did it's... a live show. And and to be fair, Ralph is underselling it. He's like, we performed Hollywood Babylon. Ralph crushed Babylon. Tonight. You did too. You had St. Louis show. You had the best joke of the night, <clears throat> which no. I'm not going to spoil because people should listen to this show and then they should listen to Hollywood Babylon as well. But you had the best joke of the night, and and you'll you'll all know where it is because I dropped though. I dropped the the microphone and started to applaud. When I it saw happened. you do that. I was honored, but was I get scared magic. of that joke. I'm not like you. You're far braver than I am. You'll say <clears throat> things uh, of that nature and like not think twice. And me, I say it, and then I'm like, he's got granddaughters, probably. <laughs> like they're not going to appreciate that. Like yeah. I still get the guilties over shit. I don't, I don't know if I have the metal i'm I'm too too much of an altar boy to be a comic you're pretty soft yeah you're you're a you're a loving cuddly person i don't like to fucking like that's but why that's I fine because never... that can be a that can be a look there's plenty of successful comedians mm. and i think um you know that special the uh, series they have on cnn yeah, called comedy history of comedy yeah, yeah. They've, they did a whole episode on guys who work squeaky clean no well, I, blue I, I no anger no hostility yeah, but you're not you're not uh, uh, you're not a tech guy at all. You're always no. you're always the guy on the on the side of right. That's and why I could never do like the um, what do they call those things? The fucking, roasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when the Bruce Willis roast was happening, and they didn't ask me at all. But people were like, "You should fucking do it." Why didn't they ask you? And I was just like, I couldn't imagine like like anything worse. Like number one, I'm done grinding axes with that dude. That was yeah. a long time ago and right. stuff. I'm over it. But number two, I was like, I couldn't even like, I don't know, I can't even in like good natured fucking take a swing. It's really tough. I rarely do it on Babylon where I'm like, you know, fucking. I beg to differ. You've taken some shots at me from time to time. Well, I mean, we have to. That's the show. (laughs) You know, you got to keep people laughing and shit like that. But I I mean, that's easy. We're friends, right? Like Muse, I'll take fucking a thousand shots. Yeah, exactly. But the notion of like getting up there and and being like, even that lame ass joke that I made, like I sat there going like, oh, that's mean inside. (laughs) Like I I tend to go at myself. You always have been self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that like, what would you call Bob Newhart? I'm not saying I'm a modern day Bob Newhart, but he didn't attack people, right? He was very... No, he was a monologist. Monologist? Monologist? He would just tell long stories like Spalding Gray? Yeah, but he was like, he would do characters more than anything else. He would do, he was famous for his one sided phone conversations where he'd be on the phone with somebody 
and he was he was more an actor on stage doing comic scenes than he was than he even was a stand up comic. Yeah. He wasn't like observational. Like, did you ever notice? No, or? no. <laughs> He'd be like, can you imagine if Clark Kent took his Superman suit into the dry cleaners and they lost it and he had to try to get it back? And he this is what that bit. phone conversation would sound like. You know? Oh, that's genius. And he'd be like, yes, it's just Kent. K-E-N-T. Yes. It, you, can't, you couldn't miss it. It was blue, red, long uh, cape. I mean, he would do stuff like that, and he would do theater of the mind. What, it, what a wonderfully would, innocent time. It was. Where you could like fucking capture an audience's imagination with that bit. Yeah. Do you think that... Like, I was charmed by it, but does that bit work today? Like, hmm. if, if uh, Kevin Hart did it. Well, Kevin Hart wouldn't do it. Why wouldn't he? Because I don't think I think that's a style of comedy that requires a lot of work, and, right. and you develop that and you hone that. And those were, I mean, it's like Carlin. I mean, your buddy who who would go and hone his segments word by word and change them and shape them and shave them off for time and 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 change one word because it was funnier than another word. I mean, that was labor intensive. That's how those guys worked. Newhart would. Take those monologues, those one-sided phone conversations, and script them within an inch of his life. There was no sloppiness to that performance at all for any of those guys. And he, now uh, it's a looser time, you know? He um, he was a writer, first and foremost. Like, you know, we all consider ourselves something other than what people see us as. Right. <clears throat> I, like, I, I don't know what I fucking see myself as anymore, but, like, you know, it's... We've all got that thing. Like, we all think of George Carlin as like, oh my God, he's one of the greatest comics that ever lived. He thought of himself as like a writer first and a comic was like the fifth thing. Well, he was. He was he was a wordsmith. He 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 worked with words the way a carpenter works with wood or a, or a sculptor works with stone. Yeah. I mean, that that was just his medium. He loved but language. But he would, you know, I, I would hear tales of, and I never got to know him like you did, um, I would hear tales of when he would start working on his next special, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. He would take it out on stage with a pad in hand and read the written words and then alter it and alter it and alter it and work it for a year up until that special, record it, release it in the world, and then start the process all over again because the words are what mattered to him. Yeah, know? he was a magician, dude, with the words. He, I, I've told, talked many times like on the set of Dogma. He did like a private show for like six of us eight of us in the room rehearsing a scene <clears throat> we were having a smoke break we were all it was the 90s so we were all cigarette smokers right and so you'd rehearse a scene and then it's like we gotta fucking smoke you open the windows and fucking start smoking and so during the smoke break uh we were like uh chit chat i said what are you working on man george what are you working on lately you got another hbo thing coming up and he goes yeah i was working on the special last night He's like, I'm memorizing. I was like, memorize it? He goes, yeah, I write all that, and then I got memorized. It takes a long time. I was like, I really? I just always assume you just kind of set it up top of your head. And he's like, no. That's how great all. he was. It looked like he was making Effortless, it up, right? Like it was coming out of him at the moment. And then he did, first in the room, I was like, Can, what, what are you working on? What's the bit? And he goes, you want me to do it for you? And we were all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did advertising lullaby, which is an amazing bit, particularly if you love the English language. And in front of us, first time. Wow. Like fucking, you know, he would do it a couple months later on the HBO special and stuff. And it's a fucking classic bit. But watching him do it live, I was like, oh, shit. Like, 
you know, you are beyond what I assumed. I just assumed you were a guy who got up and tried to be funny, but you're a fucking craftsman who put a lot of fucking time into the choice of every one of those words and stuff. I don't do that. Like, you know, I, there's always this moment with, uh, Jay, uh, Muse, where we do a podcast. Oh, Jay Muse. Yeah. As opposed to Leno. Jay Thomas. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Deep cuts pull. Um, on Jay and Silent Bob Good Old, uh, another podcast I do, oddly enough, he is always the guy that's pushing for change. Like, we should do new stuff. Hmm. And I'm always like, no. (laughs) No, because the joy of doing the things that I do on stage for me is that I can hit it with no preparation. Yeah. Like if I had to prepare, like George wrote entire bits and shit like that, I wouldn't do this shit as much as I do. Like I made a mini pact with myself about like, you know, I'll always have some shit to chit chat about, but like, if I have to sit down and write out a bit, like, you know, Jay and Silent Bob get old, Jay's like, why don't you write something that we could, a new thing we could perform every show? And I'm like, cause that, cause then I would hate the show mm. because it would represent a homework assignment and one more thing that I had to add to the fucking to do list. What I love about the podcasts are like whether I'm in front of an audience or sitting at home. I sit Freeform. down and I I go now. It's jazz, not the same it's jazz for you, for me, but for you, it's preparation. Like you're the George Carlin of this show, and as much as like if we both hit the chairs, like going, okay, what do you want to talk about? We'd be <laughs> fucked. So Ralph builds a show that I get to react to and stuff. If I was in charge of building the show, no podcast would go very far under under my tutelage. I'm I'm just not. Like for me, it's like it's it's fun and easy. And the moment it's neither one of those things or one of those things goes away, then I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? Because then it's work. And if I want to work, I can go get paid real money and shit like that. So I I love how I do it. Um, I could never be like I I, I do the same thing when I go up on stage by myself. If I'm just doing fucking stand up or Q and A or whatever the fuck. Like I respect the shit out of what he did, but I. That would not just how you work. Least, no, but you do that with your film and television stuff. Got to write those. Yeah. They won't give you all the monies if you if you're like ah, I'm gonna just wing it, make it up on the set. Like, fuck you. We saw you wing it, yoga hoser. But I've seen and no, even that was prepared. But I've seen you work and craft and rewrite your scripts. I mean, you put that level of work I into am those to projects. The eighth draft of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, and this is the draft uh, the most recent draft I did I had to go through and pull out all the fat jokes didn't make sense anymore right um, which you was fucked up your career I did by losing all that weight I did you've it's lost weird. half of your identity it would be like if uh, Hardy was as thin as Laurel <laughs> and all of a sudden it was just Laurel and Laurel and people there are like no two skinny uh, comedy duos I know we're gonna see if we can make it work <laughs> I, I Jay has been like look you got thin I'll just get fat I'm like I think that would break it yeah really I, I think you gotta stay thin I was like oh, we'll work around but the it. beauty is you still got your silent shtick which is forever so you can always that, play and, that and that to me if if you're like you know if somebody's like hey you know give me an impression of not an impression like do an impression but silent bob list five things about silent bob got to imagine silent is number one it's got to be up there it's right there in the name um like to me i don't like 
I wonder if fat hits the list. Like, um, of course it does, but I wonder if that's like in the top. I don't think three. it does though. The hat. I think, and I think coat. Yes, and then fat. And I, don't I think even under know. the I coat, think fat was something you was. gave Jay to play against you because you love to be self-deprecating, and so that was an easy target and something for him to do. Right. But in reality, the character. The fat really, ne- other than him calling you lunchbox and shit, never really played into anything that you did. Now he calls me snack pack. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But with the giving coat away on, all the fucking jokes. With the coat on and everything else, it really wasn't that feel. big a deal. I, I feel, although, to be fair, I took a picture in the coat fairly recently. This is about two months ago. Alan Amato, who does like the show art for all the Smodcast shows, he did the picture of me and Ralph for the on Babylon the artwork yeah. and stuff. That's him. Um, he uh, took, you know, new photos for like IMDb and stuff like that. And uh, the, the, uh, wait, where the fuck was I just talking about? What was the point? You put the coat, to... you were on the coat. Put on the fucking coat. Mm-hmm. And I looked, when I looked at the pictures, and mind you, I put on like, it wasn't extensions, it was just kind of a wig. And it was mm-hmm. a fairly good wig, but still. When I, I looked at it, I looked like a girl cosplaying. <laughs> As Silent Bob, I you know I was like, wait a second. So I realized, oh shit! Like that's the coat I've worn in a bunch of the movies. To maybe time to resize. That yeah, coat. I have to. Otherwise, I look like I look a little goofy. And like shit. you're wearing your dad's clothes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's strange, and it's happening at a weird time. We've been trying to make a fucking movie where you know Jay and Silent Bob are in it. Going back to like Clerks Three, right? Yeah. So Clerks 3, and then there was the whole, like, I'm going to do Mall Rats, and then neither of them fucking came to be. So Jane Silent Bob Reboot has taken a minute. Um, it's been about, like, two years I've been talking about it. And when I was talking about it, I was, you know, it was pre-heart attack when I started talking about it, when I wrote it. And, uh, you know, there was never a thought or, you know, dream or worry that like, well, what happens if I'm too thin to play that character? Right. It was just never in the fucking cards. But and then again, you I don't cut think to a heart that's attack critical like, to that character. Oh, shit. Uh, we'll see. I, I think mean, you being heavy played more into your real life persona. I put that in quotes because there's real you and then there's, and then there's, there's me. public real you, which <laughs> is not the same thing as private real you, but it kind of is. It's a weird thing because you also play yourself in real life, you know? <laughs> yes. And so your, your Kevin Smith guy who was out there being Kevin Smith, that guy was always the too fat to fly guy. And you made your weight. You took a negative and turned it into a positive and made it part of your character, right. of your public persona. I think that has been more detriment, not detrimentally, but more affected by your weight loss than have, the, the Silent Bob character I've has. I've lost that arrow from my quiver. Yeah. And, and now it's weird. I have to like catch myself. I did like a get old last night. And, and, and you know, it's again, I'm not saying like I'm fucking thin, like under these clothes, I'm fucking flabby and shit like that um but a lot of the weight has gone off so i can't i can't even do simple shit i I mean this is not me complaining it's just something i've noticed you know i used to refer to casual male xl which later became dxl as affectionately as the fat guy store like i was like i buy my underwear at the fat guy store now if i refer to something as the fat guy store it sounds dismissive or insulting you're a mean girl yes Yes. where it's like i lost 
the you're ability, making fun of fat people. I lost the ability to use the like. That's not your word. That's our word. And I'm yeah. like, well, it was mine for a long time. And stuff. not anymore. So I've had to kind of readjust. Uncle Tom. Ways. Yeah, Uncle Tom I Fatty. I guess. I mean, I just have to let it go. It's 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 weird because I it was such a fucking go to sure and i i have to retrain there are moments where i catch myself about to make a fucking like hey man well fucking when you're a fat guy and i'm like oh shit loomed large in your legend for many years nuts it's crazy though it, it isn't an allegory or uh, not an allegory it's a uh example of how we all think hey man this is who i am and fucking like you know oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks and fucking i'm past midlife i'm fucking 48 and shit and you always assume, like, I can't change. Like, then somebody's like, you're going to fucking die. And you're like, I'll do whatever you want. I'll yeah. fucking change quick and shit. And so I didn't see this coming, man, but I can't complain about it at the same time. And, you know, and if we make. It's all been upside, really, when you think about it. Until we make a movie where people are like, you don't look like you did when you made the first movie. Like, I'm going to look like that you, character. You can't be kid. the guiding no direction of your life well i'm trying to think if i went what do i what movie do i love and if they sequel it would be like if they did the blues brothers and jake was suddenly thin might bug me would it might might like i might be like "Eh." i think it'd bug you more if john goodman was playing the (laughs) (laughs) blues brothers 2000 (laughs) um i yeah i don't know it's interesting but i also like i a lot of people have been very sweet and complimentary about like, oh my God, you. I mean, they say like I look good and stuff, but they say this, which I find, I, you know me, I can't take compliments of at all. Not. But, but the, this one fucking kills me when they're like, I mean, you like you got to get smaller clothes. You worked so hard to do this. You got to show off, show off that bod. But I'm like, I didn't work hard. Like none of this has been hard. The heart attack for like an hour was hard and i didn't even know it was a heart attack at that point that was just when i was like i can't catch my breath yeah that was the hard part once i was in the hospital and they were like you're gonna fucking die they started pumping me full of fentanyl so i was like wee and you know just all fucking loopy and shit like that and never in pain and then after the procedure like i was like oh i'm sure there'll be some period of adjustment no i I left 36 hours after i got in the hospital and shit and then you know they. (laughs) i remember seeing you in the hospital room and jen was there i was like how does he look so fucking good and relaxed better the morning like, after? The, the death, the, 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 the death doorstep that he just walked off it's, of. It's, I expected to see an ashen, shaken man in bed. You're like, oh, when do I get out of here? Me just going like, tell them to babble the fuck on without me, Ralph. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, And so once I was like, I'm going to go plant-based, that... That changed everything. Now I don't even like I. In the beginning, when I did the two week the potato famine, yeah. with Ray Cronies, that 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 was hard work after day three because I'm like, oh fuck, man, I don't like potatoes anymore, and I gotta fucking choke these down. But that's how I learned fasting instead because it's like when you're given the option to eat as many of a thing, one thing as you want, and then you, you don't want to, anymore. you don't want to. You just, you know, the, when it comes time to eat, you're like, Would I, do I really want to eat or do I? I'll pass. Yeah, and suddenly your body then, like people have been asking, like, what's the fucking secret? And I'm like, there's no secret. You just fucking eat less. And and I'm not even saying eat less and exercise more. Part of the 
program with Ray in the beginning was like the first. It's not even about exercise, right? Yeah, first two weeks don't. They say it's like eighty percent diet and twenty percent exercise. Apparently, and if you you know, and he's a smart guy, and, and of course now I'm a WW ambassador and whatnot. Right. But in the very beginning, uh, and I still think Ray's a smart guy, and I think his program is great. Unfortunately, it is. It's called Just Sides, and it is strictly fucking plant-based vegetables. It's severe. It's severe. severe. So, and, and, and people are like, aren't you a vegan? I'm like, yes, but I'm the kind of vegan that's like, uh, peanut butter and jelly, that's vegan, right? Well, then there you go. And, and you like disguised foods, too. You want your veganism disguised as yes. nachos and burgers and everything else that work, you eat. man, is like, if I tried to do this five, ten years ago, I, I couldn't have done it. Right. But now there are enough fucking foods where I'm like, all right. Like I've talked about many times elsewhere and on Twitter. and I love this place in Los Angeles called, called Veggie Girl. I eat there literally every day. And I don't eat three meals a day, one meal a day. I eat at fucking Veggie Grill. Um, I eat the same fucking thing. Like, you know, it, it, before the dude was turned out to be a fucking pederast and shit, I would say I was jareding this motherfucker. But let's keep our <laughs> distance from Jared right. and Subway. <laughs> Um, the, but it, it's, it, I do, I go there every day and eat the same fucking meal. That's because it's tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, it don't, I have a beyond burger. Don't taste a fucking thing like anything, but maybe kind of a hamburger. It's, I think it's a little tastier. And then I have these, uh, vegan nachos, which they've got this amazing queso that's not made of fucking cheese and right. stuff. So, so good that like tomorrow morning I leave here, uh, there's no direct flight back to Vancouver, right? So I You're still working someplace. on Supergirl. Got one more day to shoot on Supergirl. So I leave here, and my layover is in Chicago. Now, this veggie grill is all over California. They got a bunch in Washington State, a few in Oregon. Then it gets sparse. Mm. They got two in Chicago. They're about to open one in Manhattan. So I have an hour and a half layover in Chicago, one of the most heavily trafficked airports in the world. Oh, here's one of the business busiest places on the planet. It's a fucking tough airport. It ain't yes. like jumping into the Burbank airport where it's like, you know, you fucking you open the front door and you're on the plane. No. Uh it's there's a degree of difficulty here. Don't tell me you're thinking about. I'm totally gonna go for it. Dude, I got an hour you're and a miss half your layover. fucking plane. No way, bro. Twenty minutes to the loop, twenty minutes back, that's forty. Twenty minutes to eat. That's two, four, six hour and a half that gives me a half hour you're thinking no traffic no issues no no snafus whatsoever i'm banking on that that's madness i looked into the net that's how good this fucking food is bro i know you love it i I haven't had it i get it i I understand you love it i love it but now you've taken your you've taken your addiction you've given up sugar and now you've just might move this addiction over to veggie grill i asked chelsea uh uh who works at smogco uh and she usually does the travel for me uh i was like what if if I were to miss that Chicago, you know, uh, connector to Vancouver, what would the next fight be? She's like, "Oh, you got plenty of time. It's an hour and a half." And I was like, "Yeah, but yeah, what I'm but- thinking of doing." <laughs> and she was like, "Oh no, uh, let me look." And then she's like, "You would have to connect. There's nothing direct. You would have to take connectors through. You have to Minnesota. go to Montreal. Oh, it's get crazy. on a bus and go to a train in Saskatchewan. But it's good. Listen, food, can I save bro. your life and change and change it all for the better? Go ahead, try." Get to O'Hare. Yeah. Step outside. Yeah. Dial up Uber Eats. Would they do that in Chicago, though? Yes. 
Uber Eats is, is nationwide. They have, they have the order. They pick up the order. You, you order it from, from here, for fuck's sake, or whatever you want to do. And I could put a arrival time and shit. Yeah, and then just be, be curbside. They show up. They give you the food. You step back into the terminal, and you eat at your leisure waiting for the plane. It's kind of smart. Should be doing that. God, it's so weird because I was sitting there going, do I know anybody in Illinois? Could I have them meet me at the airport? <laughs> but I don't even have to have a friend anymore. We're in the age of the app where it's like, friends, fuck that. Buy people Postmates, to make things, whatever, things for you. Whatever you want to do. Any app you will. They'll pick up the food and deliver wherever. Tell them where you're going to be. Do you think there's an app where like, you could order fucking prostitution to the airport? Like the way that you're saying, <laughs> somebody will bring you food. Would someone bring you sex to a the airport? Blowy? Or whatever. Handy. Doesn't have to go right to blowy. sometimes. My bad. It's just nice to um, nice to meet you. Here's my handshake. I yes, yes. Is yes. it really? Of course. Fuck. Dude, is there nothing we can't do with computers anymore? No. We are we are now we are now untethered as a civilization. We can achieve all things just in time for the planet to burn to a cinder in twenty I years. That. I saw that. Two decades. Um and I got an eight year old kid. I you know, I don't give a fuck about myself. I I'm probably I've been here longer than I expected to be anywhere. Yeah, you're already ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, but when I think about my eight-year-old child, and I think about, okay, she's 28 years old, and they're saying the planet could become uninhabitable. She gonna breaks on- my fucking heart. Why does it break your heart? What you should hear in that is, my kid's going to live on Mars. She's going to be yeah, a future girl, the astro girl. That's not the answer. Oh, of course. She's not going to be growing shit potatoes she's gonna, like Matt Damon. She's going to rule the galaxy. She's going to be like Flash Gordon and shit like that. Dude, they can't they can't fix the streets. You think they they think this is the 60s they're going to be able to send people to Mars and Necessity colonize? Necessity being the mother of invention. Necessity sure. is now. They got to stop the fucking planet from disintegrating and they got to stop hurricanes from bashing every coastal town in the world. I'm sure the government's got to handle it. You're this right. Route. My point your point well taken. <laughs> Just the other day, the president was meeting with a high-profile uh, uh, scientist from NASA <laughs> named Kanye West, and ugh. yeah, man. Well, when you when you talk, the world sounds fucked. <laughs> when I talk, <laughs> that's why we're a magical team because you're cuddly and wonderful, and I'm bitter and drunk. So wait, two decades we got. What am I? Forty-seven. So yeah, I'll be they're 67? saying they're saying twenty. My father died when he was sixty-seven. Why did I lose all this weight and get healthy if they're just going to give Trust us two me. decades? This is this fuck is it. The, give me the Twinkies. This is like the, I'm back. This is like that Bowie song. The fat man's back. Five years, and they say that, you know it's all going to be over. What are you going to do? And it's like, yeah, I can get a carton of cigarettes and a bottle of Jack, and don't talk to me. Scientists told us this. This came from science. This science. Came, this came from the UN Council on Global climate change yes scientists scientists from around the world got together this, this is, is their opinion. consensus this is their consensus well look the the non-believers will say it's all conjecture no one knows what's going to happen but the the best and the brightest have said given the current conditions and it's not like there's any real evidence that the earth is changing climate wise except for all these super storms and all these hurricanes right. that are unheard of and all the the high the past five years have been the highest temperature years in recorded history i mean it's not like there's evidence to prove that these guys may be onto something but they're saying yes that this looks like that this is actually happening and needs to be changed the um i remember not too long ago a couple hours back as a matter of fact when you were like hey you want to record a show after the show and i was like that'd be fun <laughs> 
<laughs> we just fucking killed what was in St. Louis, and you're like, we're all going to die, bitch. See and my happened? daughter is going to live on the moon, you fucks. The moon! Shh, you're going to wake up people here in this fancy care. hotel. Having a moon baby daughter is, is fucking cool, dude. There's no moon babies. There's no Mars babies. There's no rocket dad. No, it's all going rocket away. Rocket dad. Gar me up in space with his daughter. Yeah. I won't be there. You're not going? No. Unless she's carrying my ashes. What if she's like, we got to get off the planet, dad. I can fly the rocket. Are you going? <laughs> or are you like, I'll stay here. You need, ba- you, I'm too much ballast, Tony. That's right. Don't, you'll don't, be like Bruce Willis in Armageddon. Don't wait on the ship. Go she'll without like, me. Daddy, I love you. And you're like, go. The stars are yours, baby. And Aerosmith will start to sing. Don't want to close my eyes. Don't want to fall asleep because I'll put graham cracker animals down your blouse. Remember that scene? Yeah. Where Ben was like, it was creepy hey, as fuck. Oh my God. He's pitching <laughs> fucking crackers down her blouse. Yeah, who thought that was romantic? Who knows? That movie does work, oddly enough, man. By the way, we didn't even talk about that last night during a Hollywood Babylon in front of that uh, amazing crowd in St. Louis. Great fucking crowd. Great show. Pageant theater, man. We didn't even talk about how you've uh, betrayed your friend Ben Affleck. I've seen that on, on the internet. How, how dare you, sir, say that John Hamm would be a good Batman? What a, what a friend you are He's, throwing your I'm, friend under the bus. I'm I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Kevin Smith, you know, isn't isn't casting the next Batman. Yeah, I'm, what am I, one of the Warner Brothers? <laughs> he has no control over what happens. But also, it's just he like. He simply said that what's something we've all been saying, which is. John Hamm is a great actor and amazing looking, and he would be a great Bruce Wayne. And also, like, I don't, when people I, took you to task I, for that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Don't people read the same news as I read? Which is like, uh, we've been reading ever since before Justice League came out, right? Reports of like, I don't know if Ben Affleck wants to do this anymore. And certainly, when Matt Reeves took over and saying, "I'm going with a different direction. We're going with a, a brand new beginning story for Batman and stuff," it didn't seem like he was going to be doing the job much longer. They have all but fucking said, like, we're going another way. So I was just reacting to that. I'm like, in a world where he doesn't have the job, John Hamm would be amazing. But of course, if Ben still has the job, it's like let him, let him do it. But like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to apologize for being a ham lover. I'm a vegan who loves ham. It's right. That simple, man. Aren't we He's all? a great fucking actor. Great fucking dude, it seems like, and shit. Funny and shit, but tell me he don't look like fucking Bruce Wayne or Clark he Kent. He can play both. He's he's beautiful and dark-haired. He can play any superhero he wants to. Somebody said that he should play Space Ghost, and I was like, wow, I never thought of that. He could pull that off, too. He could do anything. He could, he could do my Hal fucking Jordan. wife, he and be, I'd be like, yay, I'd applaud him for it. Even as I wept in the corner, like, please don't fuck John Hamm in front of me, I'd be like, please do. You wouldn't be crying. You'd be spanking. Oh, my God. I'd be like, look at him draping her. You know, he's draping. He's, he's a just draper. sitting. He's sitting on my wife with his arm extended across her back. With a like, cigarette. Like it is on the curtain. No, no smoking. Oh, no, come actually, on. Yeah, she, yes. she'd be okay with that. Exactly. That's the only part she'd be okay with right there. She's like, oh, there's cigarettes involved? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm fucking... I'm a, I'm put ham on rye and fucking hand it over here, man. That dude is fucking. He he should play a superhero. It's that simple. Yes. How the fuck he hasn't yet is beyond me. And he said as much. He likes the genre. He was a he was a comic book fan growing up. And he was, saw this motherfucker. You could see him online at the New York Comic Con. They had a Good Omens panel. Right. Like no kidding, bro. Like we always say, like oh my god, he's dreamy and shit like that. Fucking watch this dude on this panel. You'd be like, I'd fuck that guy. Like, he is so fucking 
funny, charming, handsome. I met him once backstage at an event for the radio station that I used to work at. They did a comedy night every year. Mm. And Sarah Silverman was one in the lineup, and Jennifer, his then girlfriend, I think, was friends with Sarah. She had done that uh, movie. Um, she's in that flick. What is it? To the incredibly true adventures of two girls. In yes. Love. yes, right. So John Hamm is there with his then girlfriend Jennifer Westfall. That's her name. And they're standing in the wings watching Sarah Silverman's set, and I am there because of the radio station, and I'm presenting comics and everything, and I am. I don't know, half a bottle of Jack Daniels in. And this is like at the height of madman right. mania. Where he won like a Emmy or some such. Right. No, no bigger show in the world. It's a part of the cultural zeitgeist and everyone's talking about him. And I am deeply in love with Don Draper as well as with Ham, who I think is great. And I just just waddled up just fucking half in the bag and just said... I'm just, I'm just want to tell you, I'm just, <laughs> and I just made an ass of myself. And he's trying to watch the comic, and he's like, "Yeah, great, okay, thanks." And I was like, and I just turned away, and I was like, "Well, that didn't go as I expected." But he was very, he was very gracious and very charming, and he obviously was already wearing fame very lightly. Some guys just wear it well, you know. Mm. It's like Clooney's of the world and and Hams of the world and stuff who just go about their business and they they know their. Doesn't he, doesn't he make you feel like? Maybe this is just me, but I'm like, you know, of course, I of course I identify as a male, but I never feel like a man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I still at this age, I feel like a fuck. I dress like a fucking idiot teenager, and I, I my job allows me to live a, a fucking continued adolescence, God willing, right to the fucking grave. Right. So I never really feel like a man, although you know, I, I hear it around like you're the man of the house, and this is my husband, and all these things, which you know, right. He's got all the titles, but I that that's a man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if I could, you know, fucking look and sound, and that that is to me like, you know, whenever you read about the Trump administration, they talk about how the president likes to hire people that look the part more than anything else. Like Rex Tillerson was hired because he looked like an ambassador or whatever. Central casting. So, uh, he looks like a man should look right. Like how the way when we were kids, like John Travolta and, and Olivia Newton-John, that's what you were supposed to look like in your senior year of high school. Right. And then when we got to high school, we all look like children. They're 30. Yeah, it's like, why do we look so fucking young? <laughs> we're never going to get liquor this way. Like, it's just, he just looks like the way a man's supposed to fucking look. Yeah. I'll never look that way. There's few man's men that I've met in my life that you do, it takes you aback and you're like, I thought I had I thought I had all the parts and I have all the genes and everything's supposed to be and then you meet guys like Sam Elliott or Jeff Bridges or these there's these men and you're like oh okay now I see how it's supposed to be Have you seen Stars Born yet? No. I haven't seen anything in a long time and I'm dying to see El Royale. That's the first film on my list. Why? Because that is my genre. I love that sort of film noir kind of thing. Plus, right. Jeff Bridges is one of my heroes. He's Ham in it. In it Ham's in it. Hemsworth. I mean, he's got a great cast. And I Hemsworth. love Hemsworth. Hemsworth. John Ham. Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. And it's got it's got that that genre. I love that sort of crime noir. Who's who? What's going on? Every, everybody's lying to each other. Kind of 
thing. I love those films. It feels like a throwback film, like a 70s kind of Sidney Lumet or something, you know, one of those kind of films. Feels like, Really? To me, it feels like, I'm not being dismissive about it, but it feels like one of those movies that came out in the wake of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I suppose it is a little Tarantino-esque, but it seems a little grittier to me. It looks more like a 60s sort of, uh, I don't know, Peck and Paw isn't the right example, but uh, just just like a gritty crime drama kind of thing, mm. which I guess Pulp Fiction was a return to because that was sort of a lost genre for a long time. Right. But anyway, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, have been busy uh, fucking working on Supergirl for the last three weeks, so I have not gotten a chance to go to the movies, but I desperately want to see... Uh, Venom. Yeah, I want to see that too. A Star is Born, and and uh, that's I wanna, the last on my list. I, I don't know. I want to see it because, it, like, he directed it. That intrigues me. Yeah, Bradley I suppose. Cooper. And the the performance that he's given um, is interesting. Like, I, I read an article where he fucking stole Sam Elliott's voice. Yeah, and then he brought Sam Elliott on to play his like brother and stuff. Um, and of course, like everyone's talking about how Lady Gaga was great in it and stuff. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the movie before, right? Like, I've seen three of them before. Did you see all of them? Yeah. The one. I mean, I only go as far back as the James. Frederick Benson. Marks and Janet Gaynor in the that first one. I one. Never saw. Then uh, Judy Garland and um, James Mason. James Mason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I want to be. I want to be famous just like you. And uh, then Chris Christopherson and Barbara, we all know, and Um, and it's fine, but it's just it's such melodrama. It's so just heavy-handed, and this doesn't look to be any lighter than any of them. Maybe it's heavier than most. It looks like the. I mean, that's his first thing he ever directed, right? Look, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's. It looks impressive to a guy who's like been directing for a minute or two. I'm like, oh shit, look, look. But that's that's true of every actor or actress. Maybe not every. Generally, it seems true of a lot of actors and actresses who jump into the director's chair. They've sat behind enough fucking directors over their career. They've aggregated their own style without having rolled the frame. Think about like the free film school you go to yeah. if you just pay attention on a set. And apparently that dude paid attention, just like Robert Redford paid attention, just like fucking Clint Eastwood paid attention just like kevin costner paid attention you get like these actors turned filmmakers who made brilliant brilliant shit but this movie seems like it's got all the praise feels like he may have knocked it out the park meanwhile the first man opened this week and didn't fucking light the world on fire i mean it opened better than any fucking kevin smith movie it did like 15 16 million bucks but they I'm dying said to that see that's that not too. enough. For they said that it opened at number three or some such shit, and people are like this is disappointing. And I'm like, what? Like, why did anyone think it was going to make all the monies anyway? It's about you know, it's, it seems like an Oscar movie, and those movies take a little minute to warm up. I think because Gosling, first of all, but not everything he does like fucking is bank at the box office. That's true. Sometimes but, he just makes cool movies yeah that, you know don't necessarily connect i think i hope this will find its audience but i i just talked this week here on the ralph report last week rather to our buddy brad melter who is uh just a, a champion and he's written this book you know he's this book series of books for kids called oh, the i am beautiful. series those be- ordinary people change the world such great books and he's got a new one out the latest one is neil armstrong yeah yeah and so we talked about that book, and we talked about the fact that we fear that, and I, I'm guilty of it too, that 
America, the world in general, is just numb to the achievement that was getting somebody on top of that bomb they shot off the planet and shot a guy to another planet and put him there. Everybody's like, oh, it's ancient history. And no, there's no sense of wonder about that achievement anymore. Because and yet it is the single greatest achievement still in is. history. Still is. And it's the, it's the most unlikely like, success no, story fucking ever. Netflix. And you're like, all right, bro. Netflix... We're all here on the earth. Think about it. For fucking hundreds of years, people looked up at the moon and was like, ugh, ugh. What is that thing? Yeah, like you'd never get and there. That's, that's This fucking dopey species that crawled out of the primordial ooze eventually put it together enough that they figured out a fucking way to throw people into outer space so fucking far that they could land on the moon. There is nothing, nothing that will ever compare to that achievement. And then get back. Bring them back. Yeah, it's one That's thing. That's the thing. It would That's be even one bigger. Thing like, they're up there, and of course, but like, remember Laika? <laughs> Couldn't fucking help that. They're like, goodbye, pup. And that was it. And they're That's like, right. he died a hero. And they're like, he died unwillingly. I think Laika would have liked to have come home. <laughs> he would have liked yeah. to have been on Earth. Laika to live. Guess not. <laughs> And a fucking poor dog died in space by himself, probably going crazy with no oxygen, whatever the fuck. Wow, you think I'm a downer. It's true. Every <laughs> once in a while, somebody's got to speak up for the likas of this world. But you're right. America found a way to, and it was America, yep. like, you know, with, with stolen Nazi scientists, <laughs> uh, spirited away after the war. But America found a way to not only get people into space, but to bring them the fuck home. Right. That is massive. And I was like, eh, really? You want to talk about the moon because again? The we, moon landing? Because then Star Wars happened, and that fucking shit looks badass. Like, come on. We went to all kinds of planets. We went yeah. to Tatooine. Oh, my God. We're blowing <laughs> up planets. We went to Hoth. We went to all kinds of planets, dude. What are you talking about? Fucking force, bitch. We're like, awesome. Never mind planting a flag on the moon. Motherfucker's got a, light, a sword, a laser sword. <laughs> Lights up, could cut shit. Yeah, it's it's tough to and impress I watched people. That maybe trailer. maybe it, maybe it makes sense. There's only twenty fucking years left because if people can't get excited about the fact that we once got to the moon, man, there's nothing left. But I watch that trailer and I watch him sitting with his kids, and they say, "Are you coming back, Dad?" And he goes, "Well, we have every intention of the mission being a success." And the, and his little son says, "But you might not, right?" Imagine that moment of your life this isn't mundane ordinary human stuff this is a guy going off into the complete the ultimate unknown not knowing whether he'll be able to return to his wife and family one what is more say, dramatic than that one could say they had the right stuff i will come over this table and thrash you about the neck and head um yeah man that's fucking terrifying the note but they were all military people right so they're trained early on like you may be giving your life up for your country and that's a mindset I can never get my head around. Like I can, I can understand, you know, I maybe not understand. I, I you know, I, I try to give people, all people, benefit of the doubt, give space for arguments you and do. shit like you're that. You're very good that way. To I'm a not, fault. but you're good. But like that one, that's, that's even tough for me. But I had this conversation with Brad Meltzer which was that these were the kind of men people used to look up to, mm. men of humility. Neil Armstrong never said the word I when referencing the, the Apollo mission. It was always we because he always felt that everyone involved Military had something mindset, to do with The it. idea of like we are a unit. Like right. It's just confounding but to there was humility such a central, that came with to that. a selfish person. 
which I'm sure that's why you never went into the service too, because you're just like, the fuck? Why would I risk my life for no. some fucking strangers and shit? Like, I don't have the mindset that allows me to like lay down my life for the country. Mm-hmm. Something I've always fucking uh, thought was beautiful, but something I always find baffling and confounding. Yeah. Sorry, back to you. No, I'm just saying that they're, they're humility and modesty and dignity and integrity and stoicism and 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 emotional wherewithal these are all qualities that people used to look up to that are so far out of vogue now that no yeah. one looks up to that now it's all about uh, being bombastic about being arrogant about being proudly selfish and talking about yourself as the best and everyone else is the worst and putting yourself above everyone else those qualities are gone now in America. And I think when a movie like First Man comes out, people are like, ugh, really? I want to see some square talk about how we're, oh, this is great, and I'm going to go do this for it everyone seems a little, else. seems and- a little uh, old-timey to folks. I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, it, it, uh, here, I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing the movie, and I think that dude's a brilliant filmmaker. I loved La La Land, and I, I loved the fucking um, was the drumming movie again. Oh, uh, fuck! Or J. Fucking J. K. J. J. Jones. J. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson Simmons. Fucking smacks him. Yes, yes. Across the face. Uh, Miles Teller in not backbeat. Uh, uh, not drumline. Not uh, 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 bass. Something bass. Bass. Fuck snare drum! It's, it's early. The boy it's who got slapped. <laughs> That's what I remember in that movie the most. I'm like, boy, I can't believe he slapped. fucking got slapped like that. Oh fuck! What's the name of it? Um, love that movie. In any yes. event, I look forward to this. But might I just point out that it is an oft-told tale, even cinematically. Yeah, um, we had Apollo 13, right? We had those which, kind Well, of, not exactly the same story. No, not the but same yes. mission, but but that sort of vibe is similar. And I would argue that, you know, just because I'm not saying it's been done, so don't do it again, but, like, the right stuff is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's Joe true. Kaufman's this movie is, based This is trod-upon material. But it is, uh, and I'm, I'm, I think this movie's going to have legs. But A Star is Born, you could say the same thing, right? Yeah, that but exact same story was been told four times. But this is ironic. Here's the irony, right? You go to the movies to escape. So when you go to the movies, what do you want? Do you want history? No, and that's what that movie is, right? First man. I'm not saying I'm not dismissing. I'm saying some people are like, ew, this is fucking because they think they know the story going in. Yeah, they're like, why do I want to learn this again? You want to go to the movies to escape. You want to see motherfuckers fall deeply in love and fucking like risk it all and fucking like the things fall apart. You know, you want to see. Life at high speed. Yeah. Um, you know, first man, I'm sure to some cats, like, well, I'm, if I can, I can, I, I learned this in school and I can watch this on the internet and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'd rather see Lady Gaga singing and whatnot because that's what movies are about. Like, right. the movies that capture, you know, the wards, usually about shit that happen. Movies that capture our hearts and our minds are about shit that'll never fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Or, shit that we dream about happening to us. And ironically, nobody dreams about going to space unless they're fighting fucking Jedis or whatever the fuck. 
But everyone dreams about falling deeply in fucking love, yeah, like head over true. heels, because that's the thing we can all afford, right? Not all of us get to be astronauts, because some of us are like, I'm too scared to go in the military, whatever the fuck, or I'm too self-centered. But we can all fall in love. Yeah. And if you fucking, you know, that for some people, that's the biggest thing that will ever happen to them. And, and in truth, it's the biggest thing that ever happened to me, I guess. I mean, I always kind of put it in context of like, was it bigger than Clark's? And yeah, because a human being came out of it, like right. the kid, right? And now I've got my own like love story that's like, oh my God, we she interviewed me and we met and we fucked and like, well, less than a year later, we were married and we got a kid and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Like everybody gets that. Everybody gets a potential love story. Most people back into relationships maybe don't get the epic, love story right right like, you know and some people are just like hey man, i'll take what i can get so when they put some shit up on a silver screen that's just like look at look at this is straight out of the troubadours bitch you got to remember as a culture love the notion of romantic love is relatively new right for years centuries motherfuckers didn't get married because they were like i love you no, they were practical. like practical practical hey man i got a farm and you fucking here I, we're now we share this and right. fucking like now we are married wasn't about love then the troubadours come along poets singers and shit entertainers artists and they start fucking singing songs of undying romantic love and people giving one another their hearts and shit like lies that. it's all bullshit they told lies that's how fucking important art is to the culture <laughs> that we it can, can change you believe a lie it, no it's better than think about it as a version of religion no you're religion right. can make you believe that there's an imaginary person in the sky who's been looking out for you this whole fucking time never made their presence really known and shit other than like flowers sure are pretty but you are going to meet them one day and they're going to fucking judge you and stuff like that. Like, uh, I forget where I was heard this recently, but I love this and I keep repeating it everywhere and shit. Um, the difference between human beings and animals is our ability to tell and accept a story. Hmm. Uh, animals uh, don't have the story of money. If you, you've got a doctrine, I've got a doctrine. If we offer them $500, fuck, if we offer them a million dollars to not shit in the house, they'll shit in the house. If they have the shit, they're shitting. They, they don't have this fucking bullshit story of money. Like, money's not real. Like, a dog is wiser than a human being because it's nothing to money. If you actually look at a fucking dollar bill, it's a promissory note. There's nothing fucking there and right. shit. So a dog is smart enough to understand that. Human beings, we consider ourselves clever. We're storytellers. And so I tell you a story. This piece of paper, this is worth whatever the fuck. You get a bunch of these. And you can give them to somebody and they'll give you something for it. And that's a story that we agree on. It's not fucking real. It's something we've all come to terms with. Laws are stories that we all tell each other. You're not allowed to kill somebody. You understand me? If you do, I'm going to put you in jail. Right. And you're like, yeah, I get it. That's the social contract. Dogs don't get that. Fucking, you think a mountain lion is like, I understand you're going to put me in jail if I kill this fucking thing, but I'm hungry. Right. We tell stories. That's what makes us fucking great. I mean, it doesn't make us better than the animal kingdom, let's be honest. I follow this fucking brilliant Instagram account called Juniper Fox. It's about this fucking fox. This lady owns a fox and shit. (laughs) One of the, it's fascinating, dude. You should fucking, I just got, you got to hear their voices. You know what a fucking fox sounds like? 
No, what does the you're fox about say? to fucking find? You're about to find out what the fox says, <laughs> and it is fucking fascinating, bro. Like it, I had no idea. It's terrifying. My kid introduced me to this thing. And is this she, the magic of pot? Is this what I'm missing out on? Yeah. Is that I don't fall down the the, the foxhole? It is. You will fall down the fucking foxhole. This is the sound, and I'll show you. The, this little fox is her name is Juniper Fox with All two right. X's on Instagram. Of course, because she's sexy. She. I didn't know nothing about foxes. Like, are they dogs? I'm sorry. What happened now? Are they canines? What are they? Foxes are, I believe, part of the canine family. Gotta be right. Yeah. Listen to this fucker's voice, dude. It's so fascinating. We're gonna find out to what me. does the fox say. This finally. fox got caught on a shelf. Oh no! And honestly, bro, you could this shelf. Any my dog would have jumped off this shelf, but for some reason, the fucking juniper's fox a fucking pussy. That's why panicking. Listen to this right. shit. Oh shit! I took a picture. God damn it! <laughs> I feel like my fucking mother. Okay. She's so fucking shitty. I love it, dude. I fucking sit there and I blaze and I watch Juniper Fox, man. This lady you always hear off camera. She's like, why are you being this way? And the fox is like, <laughs> oh, my God. So this is your evidence that animals have it, have it going on more they than do. people do? They because do. we believe in stories. And we, this fox can't get off a shelf. Juniper don't believe in a fucking story, bitch. But she doesn't believe in getting off a shelf either, apparently. No, she's she's scared. I got to show you this one clip, dude. You don't have to show us any more fox look at, clips. Look at her eating a snap pea. Even everything she does seems shitty and hostile. Like, she'd make a great sitcom star. <laughs> she's just so... And then there's another... she got this buddy. There's another fox named Fig. <laughs> Stop it with your fox world. I'm telling you, bro, you got to see this one. How fucking she's. Oh, watch this shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> They're going to feed one fox. And the other fox. The snap like, just and the other one. It. Like sharks out of nowhere, man. Look at that shit. Wow. I find it fascinating. Fox are brutal. Yeah, who knew, man? Why does this woman have so many foxes in her house, by the way? Because she's smarter than us. Don't they? Be- don't they belong in the wild? She takes care of like the, the wild animals that like it. She's like up. a like, rescue. Right now, she's like a fox got, rescue. And other things, she's got two baby squirrels. She's raising right now. Their eyes are still closed. Like uh. this is the person doing the noble work. But in any event, back to the fucking point. We tell stories. And stories kept, not we, but we do for a living, but we human beings have the ability to tell stories and that captures imaginations and hearts. I mean, look, you know, I know a lot of people fucking don't want to talk about politics and rightfully so, but for a bunch of people in this country, like the president told a story that they all fucking they responded, responded to. to in a big bad way. Like that's, that's incredibly powerful. If you say the right thing, if you put the right combination of words together, you'll get people to come out and that... That fucking star is born shit, man. That's I get why that works. As long as the story is fairly well done and shit, and it was getting lots of praise, and she's got a massive audience and whatnot, but that story's timeless. People will never get tired of that. Like, oh, they fell in deep love, and then we got to watch him fall in love, and then you get to watch him, spoilers, fall out of love as well. You get mm-hmm. to watch the relationship fucking crumble, so you can get inspired, but you can also be like, well... Maybe it's better that doesn't happen to me because look how it all 
ends up and shit like that. Like yeah. there's any number of things to take away from it. I get why it fucking works, which is weird. I don't go for that in movies. I do love romantic movies and shit like that, but that's not what gets me out of the house. What gets me out of the house is like, this motherfucker's got a big glove. And if he gets six magic rocks, he's going to decimate half the universe. Oh my God. I will fucking step on my child's neck to get to the telling of that story. But uh, I have I've I've waited a red hot minute to get to to Stars Born, but I'll get there. I'm gonna take Jen this week. She hates movies like that though, so I gotta drag her to it. You'd imagine like my wife would be like, "Let's go." My wife is. My wife's all about that. Film. She loves that shit. Uh, she oh, cannot Jennifer wait. Hates rom com. She hates romantic movies and shit. She loves true crime. If I was just like, "Hey, uh, Stars Born is about like how this woman kills this guy," she'd be like, "Oh, let's go." <laughs> but she don't like go for romantic movies and shit. I'm the dude that cries at movies. She doesn't. I, I I think it's fine. It's not my thing either, but I'm much more intrigued by unique stories about unique people than I am about big themes like love. Or, right. I mean, Old Man and the Gun, for example, Redford's Looks film, fucking good. Did you see it? I haven't seen it yet, but that's also higher on my list than Star Wars Born because here's a story about one guy who's unique and weird and peculiar, but he is completely relatable too because it the, the bigger theme is he likes his life and he likes doing what he's doing and he meets this woman and they have a relationship but i don't know it just seems like if you can find a particular story i mean it's ooh i got one have you seen the trailer for the mule yes like god damn it if this guy ain't a fucking you know genius Clint Eastwood. I yep. know we didn't think that when he talked to the empty chair. No, I think he's 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 wifty, but I think he can tell a story. He, he's gifted at what he does. That fucking trailer. Man's got to be in his eighties, yeah, eighty five or whatever the fuck, maybe more. Still fucking not only directing fine looking features, he's starring in it. And that's a unique story that is it's it's built on bigger themes, but it's one person story. I'm always more interested in one unique person story than I am about the big picture movies. Like I don't want to go see a romance movie because it's about romance. Right. I need to care about the fucking person that the story's about. And a country singer who's you know, was getting another girl she wants to be a singer too. I mean, talk about material that's been played to death in fucking movies it's that trope but it feels like um but i know that's what sells and it's part of the conversation too right now like he's entered the conversation he's had a good run that bradley cooper the last like fucking decade right like i always think of him as the guy who was the dude on alias that she didn't fuck yeah like, where the I'm friend. Like, why wouldn't you fuck him? He was the fucking... Because Michael Vartan was around, baby. He I was know, dreamy. But, but fucking, he was... What was Homeboy's name on Will. season one? Will! Yeah. He was fucking the bomb. Like, he was... I but met he him. Was the, he was being stepped on. He was the friend. He was in the friend zone forever. Yeah, see, that's the problem. Like, the Brian Krakows of this world don't get a fucking shot. And then the fucking, <laughs> you know, Jordan... What was his Catalanos. They fucking run rip shot all over the fucking Angela Chases of this world. <laughs> That was a you lot dropped of a lot of life right there, deep ladies insights. and gentlemen. I think that Cooper is a talented guy. My problem with him is, and this is going to sound so shitty to say, but I'm, I'm three quarters. Like, I don't think he plays a convincing fucking uh, raccoon. <laughs> no, I thought that was his best performance, quite frankly. Really? Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I, this I, is I, not me being critical. I love Rocket, but I thought it was a, a, an obvious performance. Hmm. 
I'm not saying that like I expected that from him. I thought he disappeared. I couldn't find Bradley Cooper in that voice or that performance at all. I guess, yeah, and you're absolutely right. But to me, it was like, well, of course he would sound like, I sound like I'm from New York over here. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but but I want no I complaints. Watch- I'm not complaining. I'm just saying when I finally heard Rocket's voice, I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty much what it should sound like. I, guess. I find Bradley Cooper to be uh, very talented, and I'm sure he's just he's a stud, and he's from Philadelphia, so of course he's perfect. But I find him when I watch him on screen, I can always see him working. Oh, you I always acting, see, the see the acting. Yes. And that is the only sort of barometer I have about whether I love a performance or hate a performance is, does it seem like those words are coming out of this person's mouth for the first time and you're just eavesdropping on them? Or does he, can you see the effort? That's like why I always feel about Tom Cruise. I, I always see him working his ass off up there and God bless him. I appreciate the fact. I know he's doing it for my benefit, but it all I always see the seams. Mm-hmm. And I do that with Bradley Cooper too, and, I, and maybe it's imagined on my part or whatever. But I just that's that's the only, that's the, the hiccup for me is I can never completely disappear when I'm watching in, into the performance when I'm watching it. I don't know if I've gone deep enough on Bradley Cooper to to, to weigh in, but did you see? Uh, I have seen every Tom Cruise Silver Playbook. No Silver Lining Playbook. No, I did not. Yeah, I, which is weird to admit, but yeah. I did not. Um. Cruise, you were talking about? I yeah, I buy him. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You don't, he never pull you out for the only. I mean, yeah. No, I still buy him. He, which is weird because it seems to be a generational thing. My kid is, can't be fucking bothered. She's just like, hey, I was like, hey man, you want to go see this? I forget which Tom Cruise movie it was. She was like, no, as if I was stupid. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's just like, ew, no. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Tom Cruise is one of the biggest box office stars He's in the world. And then star. I forgot that. Like I'm an old man and she's a young person and my relationship with Tom Cruise is based on, you know, fucking risky business, fucking cocktail, cocktail, well, not so much cocktail. When he pours, he rains. But like, you know, I've been around for a minute, so I've seen his entire Like Interview of a Vampire, you watch that movie, it's laughable. His work in that is laughable. Is it really? Yes. I should rewatch it. I don't know. Brad Pitt comes out relatively unscathed, but Tom Cruise is laughable in that film. Um, What about... uh, the girl spider spider mary jane watson she was in that remember chris uh what's her name mary jane what emma, emma stone the first mary jane oh uh, chris kirsten dunst yeah when she was a kid actress she, she was, was really girl good movie, yeah she right? was good yeah um wow man so i gotta go back now and look at cruise's performance in that movie what's your favorite cruise performance oh boy jerry Maguire. Um, Loved your yes, brother. yes, that's my he's, favorite. He's I think. wonderful, and and uh, but you know why I think I can get by him in that, that movie? Why is because that character is an agent who's large in life, who's putting everybody on, who's saying whatever he needs to say to those people in order to get him on his side. Right, and I think he he plays that magnificently. I think he's great that way. I don't find him genuine as a person or as a performer. I think that's what the problem is. I think it's that, and this is going to sound fucking. Like a like a psychological uh, uh, critique, but I think it's that Scientology thing where I think everything he does is a performance. I don't see I don't see the humanity behind whatever's going on with then him. Maybe we need to step back from just the movies and look at his role as a performer overall. Mm. Maybe we're missing the big picture, and he's just like you fuckers kept looking at the movies. The real project 
was me. Yeah. He was going, because as you figured out, <laughs> Phaeton, <laughs> I've only been playing human all this time. Now I shall consume the earth and his juicy meat. He's got one of those Ethan Hunt masks on for Mission Impossible. And then he eats you like fucking V style. V for Ben. No, what was it called? V. Oh, V. v the, the visitors. visitors. Yeah. The visitors are our friends. Yeah, man. I, it's, Makes me feel old when, when my kid craps on shit that seemed like it was hip a minute ago. Look, when, when your dad so, said John Wayne was the greatest movie star in the world, I was like, "You're out of your mind!" Right? Of course, we had. Well, I, I, I wasn't we sitting there telling her he was the had... greatest movie star. No, in the I'm world, just but... saying, whatever your parents are into, obviously there's going to be a disconnect. My dad liked Clint Eastwood, and I, you know, I could I could meet him there. Yeah. My dad liked uh, when I was a kid, Charlie. Charles Bronson. Oh, really? So, you know, I could meet him there until I saw other people act, and I was like, well, they do it better. <laughs> um, but he did one thing very specifically well. Yes. Hey, Billy. Um My wife and my daughter, they're in the hospital. <laughs> you don't think I should get revenge? Oh, my God. It's a shame you never got to meet my dad, because if you did, and you did that impression for him, he would be like, that's the most talented friend you have. <laughs> I don't care about those goodwill nothing boys. That man brought Charles Bronson to life in front of me. I'm digging a tunnel here. We have to get out of this place. <laughs> what was that? That was from... Tunnel uh, King from... Uh, uh, Great Escape. Uh, Great Escape, yeah. Um, yeah, man. God, that was a time... He was famous at a time when there were only like 10 movie stars. It's true. Nowadays... My father worked for Paramount Pictures, as you know, for many years, and Death Wish was a Paramount film, and when that movie came out, my dad was convinced that Charles Bronson was going to be the biggest movie star in the world. He was for a Because that was a hot film that exploded onto the zeitgeist. I mean, everybody was talking about that film. They made a couple of them. Yeah, and they all had diminishing returns. That movie's a tough fucking set, man. Like, the fucking scenes that incite the fucking Death Wish of it all. Yes, like the, you know, the Jeff Goldblum scenes. It's crazy where they're like, well, let's let's let him earn it. And so the fucking is pretty brutal, yes. but not as brutal as remember Ms. 45. Oh, boy. That's a tough fucking it's a movie. Dark film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit gets twice they, in one day. You is can real... let shit f- fly in the 70s. That I know we live in a world that's supposed to be more socially conscious. So we won't accept those things. But what passed for entertainment in the 70s was a hard pill to swallow. Bro, they shot a movie. In, in Atlantic Highlands, the town next to where I grew up. I grew up in Highlands. And so they shot this movie called Don't Go Into the House. Um, in this movie, um, the guy would chain up women, put on a fucking flame retardant outfit, and strap a flamethrower to his back, and fucking just fry people and shit. It was brutal, brutal, brutal shit. And that passed. When mm. I was a kid, and shot my in my near my hometown, not my hometown. If you watch the movie, it shows like the Atlantic Highlands movie theater where wow. I, like I went to movies and shit. So I could never and it in the house where the shit happens that you're not supposed to go into. Right, was like right at the top of the hill in Atlantic Highlands. It's still there. I think it's a historical society building now or something like that. Did you have when you were growing up? Did you have places where I mean, other than like Rocky, where they shot movies near where you grew up? Mm-mm. So no. you didn't have any like, oh well, shit, Philly. 
later we did. I mean, Rocky, I guess, was the first. But blowout, De Palma shot blowout. That's right. In that Philly. was all about and during so, the bicentennial too. Yeah. So uh, I mean, the uh, Penn Station there, where the trains go in and out, that whole that whole section with Lithgow and everything. Was when all... you were a kid, did you live near the Bell? No. How far was the Bell? Bell was uh, I don't know, fifteen, twenty miles away. Did you give from a me? fuck about the Bell? I it was a source of local pride. Like we got the Bell, motherfuckers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're in grade school, your first fucking field trip is to the bell oh and so like this is ours we're from philly man well that also and it's the birthplace of america so there was had some historical context to it now when you're learning about the the, the founding fathers and george washington and stuff like let me go show you where they signed that document that we're talking about you get to see the desk where they signed the declaration of independence what the listener can't hear is my face brightening up because that never occurred to me you you were living where history happened exactly the rest of us they'd be like you know they signed this in philadelphia in 1776 i'm like philadelphia that's like two hours away but you it was like you got on a bus and you went to the place away. where they showed this like uh, when you're reading that chapter you say okay we're gonna get the bus today and we're gonna take you to the place and you go into there and there's the desk and that's where washington sat and that's where jefferson sat and this is the place where it happened i mean it that's would be like if you grew up in the town of dunkirk where you're like, oh, I just lived in history. Or if you grew up in the town of, I don't know, Vietnam. Like you just, you lived in history. The town of Vietnam. <laughs> I don't know my geography very well. Um, wow, how fascinating. Yeah, so it was as a, a child. They were like, hey, man, why don't you go fucking, why don't you go check out where it happened down the block? Yeah. Did you know people that lived in like historic homes or anything like that? Like no. you can't fuck around with that house. No, because most ben of them were, uh, yeah, you, no one lives in them. They're, they're, the tour, the tourist attraction sure. their historical monuments so benjamin franklin's home is still there but you, no one lives there was cheesesteak a big thing when you were a kid it's been a big thing for since her whole the 30s life. yeah i mean since before so I it was wasn't born. like that didn't happen in your lifetime no, i like, didn't get to see day, the birth of the cheesesteak cheese no. i saw the birth of the fucking mozzarella stick i was always proud of that did you really i honestly felt like that was gonna be the thing that like when i died they're like he was there when bennigan's introduced the mozzarella <laughs> stick Bennigan's? Yeah, I went That's to hilarious. It was 1984, and I'm sure people will tell you this is mozzarella sticks have been around for a long time, Kev. But I was fucking cocksure that we had the first one <laughs> at this Bennigan's after we went to see Ghostbusters for the first time at the King of Prussia Mall. Oh my goodness! Not far from, not that not far, far at Philly. all, right outside Philly. Yeah, uh, I went to the Bennigan's afterwards. And, what is this? And they were like, it's cheese, but it's fried. And you can stick it in sauce. So it's like a pizza with no bread. And I'm like, pizza with no bread? As a fat kid, that means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> and I started eating. I was amazed. I went back to school the next day. And I was just like, mozzarella sticks. They fry the cheese and you dip it in pizza sauce. People were like, what? You're like Marco Polo bringing f- gunpowder back from China. I was. I discovered it first. I'm like, look, this will go off like a gun in your mouth. It's so good. Oh my God, I'm just thinking about a mozzarella stick. I will never have a mozzarella stick again. Really? You're, I'm, I'm you're okay good. with that. I'm not like, I miss it and shit. They've got mozzarella substitutes in the world of fucking I'm sure they shit. do. But yeah, I had enough. Like, uh, to be honest with you, like, 
It's not like they like reinvented the mozzarella stick, and I'm like, yeah, man, fucking, I get to fall in love with it all How over. How you've again. resigned yourself to that mentality of I had mine and that's okay, and I can walk away from it never ceases to impress me because I am not that guy. You're like, I'm, I'm a more. Like, I would love to have a cigarette right now. I'd like some cocaine right now. Everything I've never, I've you stopped doing. You haven't had a cigarette in a long time. No, year and a half. And when was the last time you had cocaine? Oh, geez, before my kid was born. So that's over eight years, nine years. And that is, that's more of a choice, not just like cocaine's expensive. Well, it is, but <laughs> I could probably, well, not anymore, but when I had a job, I probably could have afforded it. Um, I could afford an eight ball, Kev. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a choice because I didn't want the, my heart to explode and leave my daughter as a, you know, an orphan. fucking choice. Yeah. But you do, you think about it sometimes? Or like, I oh, think about it God. constantly. Really? And given the, 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 the right push in the right direction i would be back to doing everything i ever did i i never have the mentality of like well i did i smoked a lot of cigarettes or i had a lot of cocaine or i drank a lot of booze and i'm i'm good now that's fine I, you keep saying that about your eating habits and i'm blown away that i and i'm not doubting you at all i think you believe it i know you believe it and i'm impressed by that you can make that leap i've never been able to i'm like the guy if i like something i want it more and i want it more forever it's a good lesson for life because like it don't go on, right? Like right. some days it does feel like, oh, fuck, when's this going to end? But it don't go on. It stops. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to along the way, you know, stop some shit. I've, I've got. But I'm that way. If it's going to end, then I want to fill up all the days that I have. As much as possible. With all the things that I like doing. And then when, it's, then when it ends, I haven't lost anything. I just feel like, you know, I've eaten chicken every fucking way I can eat a person can eat a chicken that's true like it ain't gonna change like when i dropped sugar uh, you know a long time ago i was always like well if you ever want to fucking just go back to eating sugar like it ain't going anywhere they're not gonna outlaw this shit you're putting it down it's not putting you down um but i don't know i just get to a place where i'm i mean mine was easy right because it was just like heart attack or change i was Mm -hmm. like all right i'll fucking change but yeah, I, I can. I just accept the facts that, that things end. My wife is always just like, you know, you're so. I don't get it. Like you're so like romantic, and you're so like nostalgic and sentimental, and like fucking like you remember everything from fucking childhood and high school and everything about our relationship and stuff. But when you fucking shut the door, man, boy, can you shut that door? Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, what do you you know just. I, life moves in one direction right like forward which is weird because i spent a lot of time looking back and talking about it but mm. but some shit just ends i you know i th- i think that was a lesson came from like the earliest high school girlfriends you know the ones that like the relationship ended and you were like oh i i guess we're done like you just have to learn to deal with change it was never more heartbreak in my life than like when uh, uh, Kim, my high school girlfriend, mm-hmm. moved on. Like, I was, I went from being the center of somebody's fucking world, and I had a huge fan for everything I did and said, to like that person was now going to be like that with somebody else and no longer felt that way about me. I went from feeling like, oh my God, I'm special, to feeling like, oh my God, I'm fucking average like mm. i've lost the the imagination one could argue that my entire career has been spent 
trying to replace that feeling like because that was first love right like right. fucking and, and don't misread it i fucking absolutely love my wife and whatnot but by the time i met my wife i've You've been had several through relationships and yes. stuff that was the first one the right. one that like you know where you're figuring it the fuck out and shit like that and those feelings can never be replicated oh. or or matched because you never get a chance to be new at something twice you know no, and it's one of the most powerful relationships like i've ever had in my life and will ever have till yes. the day i die and it has and nothing to do with the people came after it's just the fact that it was first and it has nothing to do with like i still want to have sex with this person like mm, not bit, at all no not at all <laughs> It's weird, but but I but my ties to like my to Kim, my ex girlfriend, like for me, I, I always think of her as like, well, she met the real Kevin Smith. Uh, She's important uh, for many reasons to many people, including her husband and shit like that, uh, and the people in her life. But to me, she's important as the the Horcrux. She has that she met the boy who right. nobody else met like and he started she started building the boy mm-hmm. not intentionally but just by being like this thing you said is funny you make me laugh i think you're talented right stuff like that so that she poured the foundation oh in a big bad way yeah you know what i'm saying it's all it's just bittersweet and and you know uh, fucking star crossed or whatever the fuck right that she don't get to enjoy the house but she had found a much better house she found a much younger way better looking dude that she eventually married she married way above me mm-hmm. um you know if if she'd been with me she she it things worked out very well right but that being said like yes she was the person that made me feel like i could be something or i was something that i had something like um my you know malcolm my friend malcolm i do uh has been making a documentary about me it's so tough to talk about because right now i'm fucking mad at malcolm but malcolm made a wonderful movie you're in it i've seen you in it yes you're fucking great um really warm and and fucking wonderful movie um at one point he interviews uh joey adams so Joey Adams is talking about chasing Amy in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I, you know, uh, that I'll take with me to the grave about my relationship with Joey Adams, many things and stuff, but like one of the things that will circle the drain of my head as I pass this out of this world is that at one point Joey said to me, "You're you're the funniest person I've ever met." And that meant everything cuz I'm like this person has been around talented funny people and she's lived like a far bigger life than I did. And that fucking meant all the world. In her interview at one point, she was just like talking. She was like, well, Kevin was just easily one of the funniest people I ever met. And so years later, like, you know, she originally said that in 97. So what is what is it? 20, almost over 20 years later. Over 20 later. years, yeah. Like I, when she said that in the doc, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> she still thinks I'm it's funny. It's still there. It doesn't, it, like... When I was, as a man, I should give a fuck about like how maybe she represents me as a lover or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. I don't care about that. I am no competition. Like fucking, when I was a kid, maybe that mattered. Believe me, I fucking put on the best show I can. But like, 
everybody's different and nobody's fucking maybe some people are better than others whatever the fuck but like that don't matter to me like at the end of the day i'm never like boy i hope she remembers me as a lover how could she and i hope she doesn't <laughs> but what i do hope she remembers is like i was funny and Your she still does you and i was like that? oh thank fucking god yeah that all ties back to like to kim like and and honestly if that relationship could have kept going and it, it couldn't have we both just grew up like at one point she was not into me and then at one point i was not into her and then it went back right. and forth like that and stuff but in any event if it had remained as it had in high school which nothing ever could i that would have been enough in life i would not have gone for anything else mm. there was a time in my life where that's all, all you I wanted. wanted to do was marry kim i was like lloyd dobler you know, like fucking the greatest thing I could do in my life is live my life in service to somebody greater than myself. Right. Um, and kickboxing, sport of the future. Sport of the future. Yeah. Don the Dragon Wilson. <laughs> you heard of the sport? I take it now. Um, it's crazy, though, that like people could put that shit in motion and not even realize it. Not, she wasn't sitting there that's, going like that's true I'm everyone's life an empty every time. hole in this fucking you have, asshole you... that he'll spend the rest of his life trying to fill with strangers in the dark fucking going you're funny like right. when is it becoming up when do i hit the place where i'm like all right like my honestly this whole fucking career is predicated on insecurity this is of me course. going like well, every am i funny am i funny am i funny when does it ever hit the moment where we're like i was funny maybe when i dropped dead or something no like that. not even then no fuck I guess it's up for others to tell us. But like, the, you were the pebble that she dropped in your pond that created those ripples that created you, you dropped the pebble in her pond that made her hey, be hey, whoever hey, she... Hey, that sounded way sexy right there. It was, it was a pebble, too, I'm sure. No doubt. Um, <laughs> she's but, like, pond? <laughs> How dare you? It it made repercussions and, and echoes in her life that put her on her path to be wherever she's now... Too. I mean, yeah, but we one all, can make the all... argument that I made out better. You know uh, what I'm saying? I like, think it's all a matter of what's important to you. Yeah, you you may have shown something to her in her that that formed her and her choices and her decisions that led her to the wherever she is now. And I'm sure she's very happy, largely because you taught her something about herself. We all do. Every every interaction, every intersection we have in each other's lives has repercussions. And we can only see ours because we're all the heroes of our own stories, right? Mm -hmm. So we're everything is in vivid Technicolor 3D IMAX around us, so we see the bigger picture. But you have to recognize that you also have that effect on others, too, across the board. Yeah, yeah. Throughout life. You, you changed Joey Adams' life, and you changed... Kim's life and you've changed Malcolm's life and my life and you see things through your prism and your perspective and you see how other people changed you but it's it's everyone is, is sharing in that experience that's uh Jordan always makes fun of me Jordan who runs our company and went that's married to Jason Muse uh Jordan <laughs> as opposed to Jason Statham <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to explain it but she always goes like, because uh, she hears me talk a lot and shit, whether I'm on stage or whether I'm in meetings or whatnot. And I'm always like, you don't understand. Without this person, this Nothing wouldn't have, would have happened. happened. And yeah. so she's like, and apparently I say it so often that yes. she could like cut me off at the pass and stuff. And she's like, 
oh great that was the 50th person without whom clerks never could have happened and i'm like well it's true there are so many people in your lives without whom there we know you everybody's responsible for you but you apparently it's true well i mean i what i oh, were the influence sake. with the sum total of the influence of, right, of all but the people you 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 were this part of the sum total of Influence in other people's lives too. You have to recognize that. There is a me, though. Oh Jesus Christ! I think there's a there's a him, and he was created. And believe me, I'm not like putting it down. I love him. He's taken me so many places in life. But he was created by somebody else by by the notion by dreams by like watching people on TV and being like that looks fun, or by somebody being like you're funny, you're talented, you could do this, or by reading a story about how some motherfucker made a movie. I was like maybe I could do that too and shit like that. I don't know what I would have been just left to my own devices. But no one lives in a vacuum, Kevin. No one is raised in a vacuum. We're all products of the influx of of attention and input and information and education and inspiration that we get from any number of sources. That that's the that's the essence of creation of all human beings. You're not alone in that. No one is raised by themselves on an island. It's all a, a, it's all a collection of experiences and impressions and, and inspirations. Do you think then that that like uh, Grant Morrison when he was on an uh, episode of Fat Man Batman? And I remember where I remember where I was talking about animals, souls. An episode of Smodcast recently. Mosier had read a book because I was like, "Where did I get something that smart from?" Usually it comes from something Mosier read in a book, right? Um, but in an episode of uh, of Fat Man on Batman. Fucking, what was I just going to? God, it was a good point. Um, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. So, interview Grant Morrison, and he said that he went to, like, uh, I don't know, one of those fucking Machu Picchu or one of those, they don't call them ziggurats in Mexico, they're called something else. Right. One of those giant pyramids. He saw this thing, maybe it was in Mexico, maybe it was Chile or something like that, but it was around the time of Arkham Asylum, mm-hmm. the book that he had written with Dave McKean drawing and stuff. Right. So he made a bunch of money from the book because he was like, that was in the days where like we fucking got like 10 bucks a book or some such shit for fucking Arkham Asylum. It was like a $40 wow. hardcover book. So and it sold millions. So he had fucking a lot of money and stuff. So they were watching this TV show where they were like, if you climb all these fucking steps to the top of this pyramid thing, in a single breath, you will achieve total enlightenment. And they were just fucking, you know, drunk enough or high enough and rich enough to be like, fucking let's do it. So him and his buddy go. And they do it. They get to the top. No enlightenment. Nothing happens. You know, I was like, nothing? He goes, nothing. He's like, then he went back to the hotel that night. He's laying in the bed. And the light in his room came to life. And then fucking the adventure began. And some beings came to him and said, we're going to show you what you wanted to see. And they pulled him back 10 million miles to show him their view of humanity. And what Grant said was uh, the human experience in life was meant to fuel something greater. Uh, it's all a series of uh, scenarios um, that feed something far larger. It's tough to put into words what he did quite eloquently, but the idea I think was something like, did you ever see that? Uh, did you ever watch Black Mirror? Sure. Remember the episode they did, uh, Hang the DJ, in the yes. last season, where mm-hmm. it's like these kids are going through this relationship, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? And then the 
third act you find out why they've been doing it. Right. Essentially, it was kind of like that. Like, we're here to bounce off one another, to have these collective experiences, which are about the total consciousness of the species, which essentially, once we've reached some level of like, oh, where everybody is under that collective like understanding, that's when we that's when we're done. Mm. That's when we've been triggered either to the next existence or then our test is over or whatever the fuck. So in that world, the idea of all of us kind of learning from another, growing from one another, it would be fucking sweet. But I was raised Catholic and that's not what they teach you at all. It's not about like, hey, we're the sum total of our experiences and we grow and learn from one another. It's all about subservience to, you know, fucking God and right. stuff like that. What do you think it is? I, I That resonates with me in the sense that I think we are all part of a bigger collective sort of consciousness. And for me, I always thought that when you die, you're just returned back to that giant pool of consciousness. And that individuals are just receptacles for little pieces of it. And I do think that we all bounce around with each other. And the point is to teach and learn and experience good, bad, and indifferent the pains and the and the ecstasies and all that stuff and it's just it's it's just a workout it's all just a big fucking spiritual workout it's a gym the, the earth is a gym for the spirits and we're these meat puppets that walk around and, and accept all the experiences and learn as much as we can through sensory and through spiritual uh interaction and then it's all over and you go back to the big uh, the big the big pond you get dumped back in. It's so weird because this is where my humanity kicks in. I'm like, well, but no. Like, I've had too many individual. Like, I'm too. For a guy that, like, always puts people in front of himself, I'm very individualistic when it comes to the idea of, like, how could I be part of one giant consciousness when my fucking experiences are so specific and blah, blah, blah. But I guess. Maybe that information could be useful to some fucking higher consciousness than ours. Yeah, it it all gets shared, I think. It's what elevates the species, I like to think. It's like you talked about you couldn't serve in the military because you, you were too selfish to put yes. to put your your yourself out there for the benefit of others. Yeah. I think that's that's the nature of it, is that we're we're all sort of soldiers like that spiritually, and then when it's done your good work and whatever you've learned gets gets brought back home. You know, everybody everybody gets to benefit from that eventually at some point. Do we then come back? Like, is it essentially the same players playing different roles every time? I don't know. I don't know. Because that I, would fucking suck. Because reincarnation be makes sense. It, it 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 makes sense to me in some stretch in the in the way that you. I'd like to think that you graduate, you know, and once you've done this term here, whatever you've learned from that, if you've done a good job, you get to go and come back again and get a better station. I like to think that there is a, a you know, a, a way to progress through this seemingly uh, ridiculous, random series of events that most lives are. Mm. I like to think there's some sense or reason behind it, but I wonder if that's just my own wishful thinking and for looking for some order in the in the chaos sound and fury signifying nothing yeah we put a lot of meaning to this shit you know why why so unlike animals we could tell 
each other's stories. You know what Juniper the Fox never does? Oh, for fuck's sake. Motherfucker never sits there and goes, why am I here? Yeah. Juniper the Fox just goes, I am here and I want that snap pee more than that other fucking fox. I'm going to get off the it. shelf. You're <laughs> 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 fucking fascinating, dude. Like, <laughs> you didn't know what a fox sounded like. I didn't know what the fox Thank said. Thank God for the fucking internet. Uh, from beginnings to endings, we've covered it all in this conversation. <laughs> this is not the Ralph report you probably were expecting, but maybe it's the one you needed. People are sitting there on a Monday morning going, fuck. How high is that one guy and how drunk is the other one? <laughs> this is what, and we just did a comedy show. Like we just came off of this two is the hours balance. of making strangers this laugh. This is the yang to the yin. Um, thanks Sad for listening clowns. if you're still there. A couple Pagliacci's right here. Pagliacci's and shit. Thanks for being with us if you're still here. They stayed with us. Uh, tomorrow. Me? Some cats are sitting there going, this is some fucking deep thoughts, Yeah, man. man. Your that, people. That Juniper the Fox shit. <laughs> Put my shit in perspective. I don't know, man. I don't know why we're here either. Man, I wish Kevin and Kim had stayed together. They sound like a good couple. We wouldn't have made it. It's impossible to make it, but... Nobody that- makes it. That's the difference. You don't. It, it, you make it when you're young. You make it when you're older. Nobody makes it. Everybody struggles. I'm going to try to make it out of this life alive. That's well, for sure. God bless you, son. Get out of here alive. I'm going to be the first one that does it. Man. Well, second one. Jesus first, then me. Make it out alive. <laughs> body and soul motherfucker all right when you get to heaven you're gonna be like why do you look so good i was because i got my body <laughs> kept it all figured it kept out it yeah. all together. leave it behind you fucking idiot plant-based motherfucker <laughs> kids thanks for sticking around tomorrow it'll be the same old shit all the stuff you're used to today was kind of special but i hope you come back because i love you and i mean it bye Garmin strong 